You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Oh, he's very sharp. Uh, he's been here for many years, which is unique in the coaching profession to be as, here as many years as he has. Uh, he's coached a number of positions. He started out, you know, playing defense. Uh, so he has the perspective of someone from the other side of the football as well as now having coached. Uh, nearly every position on offense. Um, you know, he's got a, a, an even keel demeanor about him. Um, he's been with multiple systems, going back to Coach Childress and Coach Frazier and Coach Shermer. And uh, he's been with Coach Zimmer for a while now. And, um, you know, I, I think he'll, um, he'll, he'll do a good job in, in this role. Football. And yeah, to find out if, uh, if Kirk Cousins will do a good job in his role the next few weeks, too. Matthew Collar from 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. Rich Gannon coming up in the football hour here later on. But uh, I, I think the question is, now that they've made this move and now that Kevin Stefanski is uh, is in the seat, if you're Kevin Stefanski, what's order of business number one for this upcoming game against the Dolphins? I think it's asking Kirk Cousins how he wants to beat the Dolphins. Um, Mike Zimmer said today that Cousins will have more of a voice in the offense. That's the way that that I read it. I mean, he said that uh, you know when he is having these conversations all the time with Kevin Stefanski. The way that Zimmer put it was, uh, he said, "I feel like Kirk will be open to suggesting things a little more," which says to me that uh, Cousins probably has some issues with the former offensive coordinator that he has been discussing with Kevin Stefanski, just putting two and two together and that those two can solve some of the problems that they've had. I, I think that's where it starts. And then where it goes from there is Delvin Cook is a wide receiver. It only happened a handful of times all season. We know Cook is fantastic at when he's playing out of the slot sometimes or doing a, a jet sweep, rocket sweep also. Or I mean, even, he even ran like a six-yard out route, and it was really good, and he was wide open and caught it. Like Those are the types of things that they could do more of, running to the outside, getting Kyle Rudolph involved in key situations. There's a lot of things that they've sort of done here or there, but not enough. And uh, I think that that's what we'll see is some of the things that they've done better, focusing on those as they go into this game against the Dolphins. So here's a cousin soundbite from today uh, talking about the identity of of the offense. We're going to play it, Collar, and then I want your reaction to your interpretation of this uh, quote from Cousins because I definitely have one. I just want to win football games, um, you know, and, and I don't really care how we have to do it. And I think many times you have to adapt week to week. You know, I remember uh, uh, one time the Patriots came in here to play the Vikings back in the Metrodome, and, and the Vikings defense was very stout, couldn't run the ball on them, and the Patriots said, we're not going to try. And Tom, you know, threw it 50 times, and they came out with a win. Uh, but that hadn't been their identity that season. I think that was the year that, that they had a very good run game and Corey Dillon had run for a lot of yards. So 
your identity can adapt based on your opponent, based on the situation you're put in. I don't think you just in the NFL say, this is what we do, we're going to line up and be better than our opponent. The nature of the salary cap and the nature of, of uh, teams these days is, is there's a lot of parity. And so you have to week to week be able to adjust and, and find what works that week against that opponent. Matthew Collar, in my opinion, that Cousins quote is incredibly telling. Because that he's talking about the Halloween game 2006 at the Metrodome against the Patriots. There's only one person that could have told him that story, and that was Brad Children's errand boy at that time. His name was Kevin Stefanski. He's now the, the OC. But it dovetails or circles back to what you said, which is very, very clear. The Patriots have, have what they call a game plan offense, which means they don't come in with a, a presumed, this is what we do. It's a what don't you do well on defense. I think of all the things that I heard Cousins say today, that's the biggest shot that he took at flip, which is we are going to start to do stuff that makes sense against certain defenses as opposed to this is our principles of offense and we don't sway away from those things. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, the thing is, what's funny about that comment, and you're totally right that I read it the same way, that, okay, uh, I watch a lot of games late at night on YouTube. Last night I was watching 1997 divisional game between New England and Pittsburgh. Uh, but I don't Football. know. Kirk Cousins... <laughs> I, I'm not certain that he quite has the time to be uh, going back and checking on Corey Dillon and whatever it was, week 13 or something at the Metrodome. Uh, so you're right. That, that story probably came from Stefanski, and it does say a lot. Though – it was, my criticism of John D. Filippo was always a little different. It was always, why didn't you stick with some of the things that did work? I mean, when they went into Green Bay, they did a bunch of things that Mike Zimmer wanted and that immediately worked. The swing pass screen to Delvin Cook has been there for two years, and it worked against the Lions, and it worked against the Packers, and then it didn't come back. Uh, they, they threw a couple of passes to him, but didn't stick with a consistent screen game to a guy that you know can break big plays. And with Kyle Rudolph in Green Bay, he gets seven catches, and then they go away from it. Against the Patriots, no huddle at the end of the half works super well, and Kirk Cousins says, maybe we should do that more often. And then they never do it again. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I mean, I think that even within games, that was one of the issues, is that they would find something that was there and then deviate from that, and maybe that does have uh, to do somewhat with inexperience, possibly. But, um, it, you know, it, it certainly was clear that he was talking with Stefanski about this, this very issue, and that, you know, it sounds to me like those two have been having these conversations all year. And when I went back to look, I, I was curious about how Cousins had gotten along with previous offensive minds and, and things like that. And in the article that I just posted about uh, Cousins having more influence in the offense going forward, I mean, I, I dug up a few comments from Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan that read not like just typical sort of whatever answers, but like as in they, they loved working with Kirk Cousins. Kyle Shanahan wanted him in San Francisco, you know. So, I, I mean, I don't think that he's like an offensive coordinator killer. I think that this relationship, though, with Filippo, it's pretty clear that it wasn't working. Yeah. Matthew, if you had a pie chart of blame for the Vikings on short yardage, third and one, fourth and one, if you had a pie chart of blame for why they haven't been good in those situations, what, what, what percentage goes to the offensive line? What percentage goes to lack of creative play calling? How would you divvy it up? Uh, when it comes to third and short, I think of that as being on 
the guy drawing up the scheme, the guy calling the play. Uh, because most of the time when you see success there, it's something that was schemed. You, How often have you ever seen a third and two where the quarterback had to make an unbelievable throw? Uh, almost never, right? It's usually a check down, a dump off, a swing pass, you know, a little catch and, catch and throw type of thing. Uh, uh, you know, running up the middle on fourth and one with Latavius Murray is just a fireable offense right there alone. I mean, this is you have two backup guards basically, and you're trying to go behind them to get that one yard. It just things like that just don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And earlier this year, they used Kyle Rudolph on a play where they ran a play action. Everything looked like it was running left, and then he snuck out to the right, wide open for a big play against Green Bay. Maybe you you remember that. And I, I mean, why not go back to that? Why not use that on a regular basis instead of? trying to stuff it up the middle. And then the other night, I mean, they get first down, get four yards on a QB sneak, and then you know go back to it one other time out of seven, uh, you know, that they had third and short. So, you know, I, I think that that was one of the biggest issues, and it wasn't just against Seattle. Going into Seattle, they were one of the worst in the league on third and short. That tells me a lot about the play caller. Hey, real quick, uh, Football Outsiders has a great breakdown of this exact, just the, this conundrum for the Vikings uh, on, on one of their advanced stats pages. So the Vikings rank 31st in the league on short yardage run situations, 53% success rate. So they're literally flipping a coin on like third and one, third and two, and they hand the ball off. Um, and then and then they have another number called stuffed, which is when you get stopped for no gain or, or minus yardage. And the Vikings are, their stuffed rate is like one in every four runs gets stuffed for no Asiata. gain or a, or a behind line of scrimmage. And so some of that's offensive line. Some of that's, like Matthew just said, why are you running up the middle with backup guards and third-string guards, right? It's like have some more creativity. Interesting. Well, yeah, and, and when it comes to this, this run game, I mean, it's the thing that's being talked about a lot is why didn't they run more often? And, and I would want to ask why didn't they run more successfully? I mean, it's, it's okay, they don't have a good offensive line. I get that everything begins there. At the same time, I mean, they have two offensive linemen at least who are extremely athletic in Pat Elfline and especially Brian O'Neill. They have a left tackle that's pretty solid in run blocking. In fact, that's probably Riley Reese's strength. So it's not like nobody can you know, block the run, and yet they've instead run behind their two worst blockers in Tom Compton and Mike Remmers. And, that, and that's where it gets me. That's where I, I have to say, okay, that doesn't make – a whole heck of a lot of sense. And I, I ran the numbers last night. On So there was that 70-yard run up the middle. Okay, well, take, take that out of the equation against the Lions. Delvin Cook, in all of his areas, when he's running not to the outside, so just between the tackles, he's only getting 3.2 yards per carry. So he's basically like the worst running back in the league when you're handing it straight up the middle. And I'm sure that's not because of him, but it just – it's a, it's a lot of this with the offense with Dee Filippo. It's a lot of the same things of not using players to their strengths. No matter how many times he said it uh, in press conferences, it doesn't seem to have been the case that he was finding space for Delvin Cook. So if common sense is now applied, and, and the offense is run in a way where we all say this makes sense, give me the two or three guys, and I'm sure it starts with Cook, who immediately benefit and actually start to become far more effective because they're used in a wise manner. So the the two that are the most obvious are Kyle Rudolph and Delvin Cook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the running back position was extremely successful for them last year uh, with Jarek McKinnon, and, and I don't see why Delvin Cook can't 
play the same way except for maybe take it to a slightly higher level than McKinnon, uh, though I thought McKinnon was quite good. The, the number three on this, you could either go with the offensive line to say that the play caller and schemer can do a better job of helping them, say not leaving Riley Reef one-on-one with Khalil Mack for most of the night. But I, I might go with the same guy Sage Rosenfels picked on your show yesterday with C.J. Ham. that it's a small thing, but Pat Shermer had so much success with using the fullback, the two tight ends, because it's, it's like a domino effect. I mean, if you're bringing in some of these bigger bodies, the other team is going to bring in their bigger bodies. And where is Kirk Cousins the best? Play action. Mm-hmm. You run play action with a couple of big bodies and two great wide receivers and a great running back in there, and all of a sudden you've got lots of more opportunity for big plays. And, you know, Sage brought up something today that was interesting, a, a thought about just the John Filippo era, as short as it was, uh, that how often did you see anyone running wide open? Like it just – you see it in games every week, guys running wide open. But with this team, it was, it just rarely happened. Well, and so, I mean, I think there should be more opportunities for everyone if Kevin Stefanski can uh, figure out some of the things that John Filippo couldn't. I, I need some Zim interpretation help for, from you uh, regarding Mike's press conference today because I didn't hear this, and it's one word, but I'm looking at the transcript right now. Question. Will Kevin Stefanski be calling plays against the Dolphins? Answer. Maybe. Is that Zim just being difficult, or is there, or is Zim actually going to involve himself? Who else would call? Would that's Mike why, that's, call that's why I'm blitz? asking. That's why I'm asking for help and interpretation. Well, we're gonna go uh, zone blitz. No, Mike, we're on offense. We're on offense right now. No, oh, shoot. Xavier Rhodes, a quarterback. Uh, so, so help me yeah. out here. No, it was definitely under the category of Zimmer being difficult because right before that, he asked. Is anyone got, you know, any questions about Miami or something like that? And then, you know, it was, okay, so let's tie in the offensive coordinator with Miami, which uh, was clever by our uh, former 1500 teammate, uh, Andrew Kramer, to do that. But I, I think it was more Zimmer just being coy. And I believe if you take a look in the press conference when they announced the firing of John Filippo, it says that Kevin Stefanski will – take over play calling duties so i think i think we've got this mystery okay out. thank That's you hilarious uh matthew collar you can find him tomorrow night at lucky's 13 pub in uh, in burnsville with courtney cronin doing a live purple podcast uh between 5 5 30 and and 6 30 or 7 o'clock in that window what else can people find from you right now on the website matthew uh, well, I just wrote about what Zimmer had to say about Kirk Cousins and his influence uh, with Stefanski in the offense. And then I also pulled some of their most successful plays from this year to look at how they could use those concepts going forward over these last three games. Football. All right. Bye, Matthew. Bye. 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 Football. Bye. Uh, we got more football coming up next because Rich Gannon is going to join the show. Uh, but he has a lot of thoughts on the play calling. But before Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic once again here before we get to Rich Gannon. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash between Highway 55 and Cedar Avenue, that same area, just uh, about a mile or so east of the Lowry Tunnel. People, you really got to be careful in those areas. Uh, nine minutes delay eastbound and uh, nine minutes delay westbound, too, if you're in that area. Also, 35E southbound in St. Paul, we got a crash uh, between Maryland and Pennsylvania Avenues, and uh, it's causing a six minute delay. Be careful, folks.
I love when Manny scolds people in their cars. And they never listen to him. No, they but, never listen to him. You keep the saying, tunnel is just... I know, but you keep warning them, and you're right to warn them, but they don't... At some point in time, they're like your kids. Just let them crash. It's like the big signs are there. Slow down. You can't <laughs> You can't fly through the tunnel going 65 and miles it gets an slick. hour. Yeah, it gets slick in especially there. Especially this time But they year. don't listen to you, Manny. Well, they're hard to So just give up on them. Yeah. Football. Let them go. Take them out of the house. It is the football hour, and Rich Gannon is here to uh, maybe help us shed some light on what's next for the Vikings offense. Now, Kevin Stefanski takes over for John Filippo, and it's pretty rare that you see this time of year with a team that's still in firm playoff contention that you make a move like this. But what were your thoughts, Rich, when you saw the putrid performance against the Seahawks and then the news came down the next morning? Yeah, I knew it was going to be tough on the road against Seattle, but I didn't think it'd be that tough. I, they, they just really struggled, and uh, they had no rhythm. You look at Kirk Cousins, the passing game, uh, the line play, their, really their inability to run the football. And you, know, you have to say, well, how much of that was quarterback play? How much of that was the line play? And there were some drops out there. And then how much of it was the play caller? And how much of it was Seattle's defense? I think, you know, cumulative, it was just not the type of effort that they were looking for. And what's disappointing is how well the defense played. I mean, that's about as good a performance as I've seen on the road in Seattle uh, a defense play. I mean, they played well enough. I mean, they just the only thing they didn't do was score the, score the winning touchdown. I mean, that, that's that kind of performance from the defense. And so if they just would have gotten anything out of the offense, uh, they could have gone on the road and gotten an important win against Seattle. Hey, Rich, during the course of your career, did you ever see uh, an OC uh, fired during the uh, season? And I guess most importantly, if you did, how much can that change things, especially like with the Vikings now having only uh, three games left? I don't know. that. I'm just trying to think back in my 17 years, if it ever happened to me. I'm guessing it might have happened in Minnesota at one point. I don't know if it was Schnelker or Tom Moore. Jack Burns, right? Got fired? Yeah, that was the year after I left. Okay, so I, I had been traded to the Redskins, and then they traded. They they fired him. They should have they should have fired him the year before. <laughs> it would, probably would have helped me a little bit. But um, you know, I I saw it happen in in Baltimore with Joe Flacco and the Ravens when they let go of Cam Cameron and they promoted Jim Caldwell with about a month to go in the season. They went on to win a Super Bowl. So um, you know, it can certainly happen. You can get, first of all, just all it takes is for a team to kind of catch fire, and that's what the Vikings need to do. I, I just um, I know Kevin Stefanski. He went to my high school. He's a little younger than I am, but he's a smart guy. He's well respected by the players and the quarterbacks. Obviously, uh, I think he'll do a nice job. The, the, the challenge and the problem is, is there's not. A, it's not like he can change the playbook at this point in the season, right? He can't scrap the. You know, he can he can put his own spin on it. But I think the, the important thing is this: there's two things they have to do offensively. You've got to get the quarterback back up on in the saddle and playing playing better. You know his confidence wasn't great the other night. I think you go back to finding concepts and plays that he's comfortable with and familiar with. High completion percentage throws early in the game. Get him going and get him in a rhythm. The other thing they've got to be able to do a better job of, and Mike Zimmer's been talking about this all year. They've got to be able to run the football. And you know you just you can't have 21 carries for 77 yards, and a lot of those came late in the game when the game was was over, uh, you know, you just you can't have it. You know, you, you got to be able to run the football better when your quarterback is struggling. Yeah, and it, the, the ratio of run to pass was something that, that I saw a graphic on, I don't know if it was Sports Center or something the other day, that the Vikings run the ball considerably less uh, compared to the rest of the league this year versus last year. And 
I don't like. I don't know. I you can't treat Kirk Cousins like he's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there are certain quarterbacks where if you have to throw forty times, fifty times, you know, Tom Brady, whatever. But I think you're right, Rich. If you, I know he's being paid like a top three quarterback, but you've got to treat him more like someone who needs a little bit of insulation. That's my read on it from you know an amateur position. Let's forget for a minute what he's being paid. You know, because at the end of the day, a lot of these guys, you know, they you catch. You catch the wind at the right time. He was in the right place at the right time. He mm-hmm. came a free agent. The Vikings had a need, and, and they paid him. So it is what it is. What I'm saying is, you know, they got off to a really hot start throwing the football. You know, Adam Thielen was the talk of the league. Uh, you know, and certainly Stephon Diggs, and, and, and you look at what Kirk Cousins has done. But I think teams have caught up a little bit. And I think you look at what the Patriots did. They're a smart, well-coached team. They, they decided... If they're going to lose this game, it's not going to be because of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. It's just not, and also, you might as well throw Kyle Rudolph into the mix. They weren't going to let those three, the big three in the passing game, get going. So they did some things creatively, some cut coverage, some in-and-out coverage, some brackets, some press, some rotations, to so do some different things to take them out of the game. I think you look what Seattle did the other night. They did much of the same thing. So if you're not winning outside on the perimeter – and you got a quarterback that's struggling, you're not running the football, then you have a game where you can't score. And so they've got to find some creative ways to move those players around, get them off some of the press covers, get them some easy catches, get them going. But also, as I said before, to focus on Cousins and what, what it's going to take to get him back playing the type of football that he was playing really in the first uh, uh, six or seven games. So, Rich, what's the fine line here uh, when when Diggs and Thielen are covered or they've got double coverage? And I get that, but as a quarterback, what's the fine line that you have to draw to say that would be a dumb throw, or th- these guys are just really damn good? And it might it, there might be risk to the throw, but I have to make it at this point. I think score dictates that. Situational football dictates that. Where you know, was it first down, third down? Are we behind by 21 points? Are we ahead by 21 points? I mean, all those factor into the decision making. I would never encourage a football a quarterback to make foolish decisions and to try and force balls into tight windows if it's not there. I mean, you got to trust your feet. You got to trust the progression uh, and, and your reads, and, and, and you know, try and play within the offense. Look, I, I still think Kirk Cousins is a talented player. Uh, you know, uh, he's he's a guy that can be very streaky. But here's the thing that you know, a lot of people talked about, obviously, prior to the game uh, against Seattle. He has not played his best football against teams with winning records. And I think, you know, I don't know what the record is, 4-24, whatever it is, against teams with records of 500 or better. I mean, it is what it is. That's something that's, 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 that's on his mantle right now. He's got to do something about it. He's got to start playing better football when it matters the most, late in the season against good teams. And that's what happens. You get into this time of the year, you're going to see better teams, better defenses, better coordinators, better quarterbacks, and you better play your best football. And that's what the Vikings need from Kirk Cousins the next three weeks. Yeah. I would think that there's got to be, when when you know you're on national TV and you know you're in an environment like Seattle, and you know it's, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, I'll just play better. But we're also dealing with human beings here, and it – it actually makes it more amazing that there are five or six quarterbacks that always seem to rise up in those moments. And uh, Kirk Cousins, 0 for 7 Monday Night Football. I think he's 4 and 14 on the road against winning teams in his career. 
Um, some guys have a hard time maybe quieting their brain. I mean, what does it feel like in those situations when you know you're on national TV in a big spot, playoffs on the line? I always say this about quarterbacks. There are two kinds of quarterbacks in the National Football League. Those that feel pressure and those that apply pressure. And that's what we have to find out about Kirk Cousins. Is he in that latter group uh, that applies it, or is he one that feels it? And when you look at his body of work, you'd have to say right now he's a quarterback that feels it. You know, you look at the great quarterbacks, they want the ball in a critical situation late in the game with a chance to win it. You know, and, and in the primetime games, they play their football, they come to life. And he hasn't done that consistently enough. And, you know, at the end of the day, you got to find a way to get it out of him because he's certainly capable. Now, what difference does it make if the game starts at noon or it starts at, at 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time? It doesn't really matter. You know, if you're a good player, you're a good player. If, is it, is it, if it's in Seattle, if it's in Minnesota, what difference does it make? If you're a good football player, you're a good football player. And so you know, that, that's, I think, Kevin Stefanski's job, to sit down, look at what he's done, you know, through the first you know, 13, 14 weeks of the season and say, all right, what can we do? What are the areas where he's struggling? All right, let's address those. What are the things he does well? Let's try and emphasize them. And and let's try and build a game plan around the concepts that he's comfortable with and that he's familiar with. And maybe that involves more conversations between the quarterback and the play caller during the course of the week. How do the Patriots, of all the teams in this fine league, how, how are the Patriots victims of a uh, last play like that against the <laughs> Dolphins on Sunday? They'd be the last team that I'd pick. It just goes to show you if you let your guard down. And, and look, I, even Bill Belichick, I think if he could do it over again, probably wouldn't have had you know, Rob Gronkowski on the field. I, I just, you know, they, they just... Uh, they, they 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 got caught their pants down. I mean, they just weren't ready for that situation. And and in fairness to the Dolphins, that was about as, as good an executed play uh, as you'll ever see. I mean, you know, you look at the laterals. To me, were well timed. I mean, the ball goes initially to uh, Kenny Stills. He laterals it to Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker, I think, laterals it to Kenyon Drake. I mean, you know, just the way it was done, it was just well rehearsed. You could tell that they worked on that play a lot. You know the last play to win the game, and and the Patriots did not do a pretty good a good job. And I think if you go back and you look at the all twenty two, there's probably some players on the Patriots that thought the other guy was going to make the tackle. You know what I mean? As opposed pro, yeah. to a bunch of people running to the football, and uh, that that'll get you beat. Yeah, it's probably hard to wrap your head around it when they're seventy yards away from the end zone and. Ah, uh, whatever. Someone, yeah, someone will grab him. Someone will grab him. And all of a sudden, Gronk is diving at the one yard line with you know his elbow guard and his knee guard, and yep, not. I, but my guess is uh, they'll they'll learn from it and they'll probably still win the Super Bowl. So, or at well, least they'll get to the look, Super Bowl. Look, the, the one thing we do know about that organization, they're not going to make excuses. They go back and they look at it and make the corrections, and and uh, they're, they're a well coached team. And you know what's frustrating is I think the Vikings are a well coached team. I was watching that game. Here at the house with Shelley and and uh, you know obviously we're cheering for the Vikings and it just you know, they they couldn't have I, I don't know that they could have played a better game defensively you know until the last five minutes where it, it just kind of unraveled but I mean to go out there and play as well as they did against a very good team a team that's been really playing terrific football the last six weeks of the season here and just to lay an egg offensively it was it's just an excuse but unfortunately it cost a a coach's job. Yep. Hey, where are we at this weekend, Rich? I don't even want to tell you because it's not a good game, but 
uh, let's just say I'm going to be somewhere in Florida uh, <laughs> with, a, with a team that has won four games, playing another team that's uh, lost four quarterbacks or three quarterbacks. So wow. I got the Redskins at the at, at uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh. It's a bad week on oh, PBS. That's so. my condolences, Rich Gannon. Yeah, I think that's yeah, the, lo- the l- be, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But hey, look, I I had a chance to get the Dolphins Vikings game. It's going to be a CBS game, and Boom. it just wasn't on our radar oh. schedule. But it's going to be look. Hey, the Dolphins are, are got some momentum right now, and, and obviously off of that big win over the Patriots, it, this should be a good game. Uh-huh. I, I think I think the Vikings will be in good shape. Uh, if you can get the Tannehill, get around him. I think you can force him into making some mistakes. Yep. Rich Gannon, thank you so much. We'll talk next week. You guys are the best. Football. You know what? The game that Rich is going to work. He will be the best quarterback in that stadium. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it will be. I think I saw yeah. it's, it's the lowest over under, the lowest pregame or at least early line over under in like five years in the NFL. I haven't seen what the over under is, but usually the average over under in an NFL game is forty five points ish, sure, forty seven yeah. points. And it's I don't know if is it in the thirties? Maybe one of you guys can find that. I don't know the Redskins Jaguars. He or just, or just don't. Kevin Harlan go down there to do that game. Well, there's not that many great AFC options right now because no. CBS gets mostly AFC. Mm-hmm. Who's games. calling this game here? Because that—that's right. It's Did we get Iron Eagle. It's an AFC game. Good. I bet you it's an Iron Eagle game. We'll look this stuff up for you guys, and uh, we're going <laughs> to we wrap with Roy. We got a lot of questions. Yeah. So come back. We'll answer all these questions <laughs> on the other side. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Football. Did we find any? I, yeah. I, I didn't even look I've up got the over-under. No, I, didn't, I can't answer that. But the uh, you were right. The CBS game, Vikings and uh, Dolphins, Ian Eagle, Dan Fouts, and Evan Washburn, I guess, on the sideline. Okay. I can always pick out. I can sense you know an, an Iron Eagle game. Okay, it yeah. usually involves the Miami Dolphins. Iron Eagle's yeah. good, but I will take Harlan and Gannon any day of the week. Oh yeah, I would have reversed that assignment. Kevin Harlan's great. Well, I mean, I'm he's my favorite. Actually, you know what? Of all time. If I if it was up to for me, obvious reasons. I would I would if I was ESPN, I would hire him Monday Night Football play by play guy in a heartbeat. Don't you think they're the? My guess is. He's. It's not that they've never thought of that, or that he's never. He's probably getting compensated pretty well by between Turner. Oh sure, CBS right. That but, if he goes to ESPN's Monday Night Football, that he now he's off NBA games. But he could do ESPN games behind Breen and be the, the main voice of their NFL package on Monday nights, and I'd compensate yeah, yeah. him correctly. He is. I think he's fantastic. He's brilliant. Uh, the over under for the Washington Jacksonville football game is thirty six points, which is I believe ten points lower than the league average over under. Going into a Oof. game, going into a game, is this the worst game of the year? Easily going into a game, so I'm sure there's been terrible games. But let's just say, let's just say you were eyeing a schedule for the week to come. Just from the standpoint of, because there's there's probably been games where the, the teams have worse records, but yes. like I I want to watch Baker Mayfield, so I'll watch Browns games, or mm-hmm. I want to watch I want to watch Josh Rosen, so I might want to. So in terms of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs and there's nothing really to watch on them because they're both rolling with backup quarterbacks or, you know, right. even if Blake Bortles is playing, who wants to watch Blake Bortles? I'd rather watch a, a two-win 
a two-win Cardinals team because I get to watch a bright young quarterback. So yes. you're probably right. Yeah. Red, Red Zone will not be going to that game a lot. Only for the touchdown. <laughs> Scott Hansen. Yeah, we got to go show replay that touchdown. Yeah. Well, Did there I, won't be any touchdowns scored, so they won't go to that game at all. Got a field goal. Did I not call it last week, though? Jags Titans on that Thursday night game that it would be ugly. Oh, well, and at one I point someone had two was, points, right? It was twenty three to two. Yep, <laughs> in the fourth quarter, I managed to avoid that game completely. Yeah, that was. Uh, I turned it on just as just as Derrick Henry was running into the end zone to make it twenty three to two. It was sixteen to two actually when I turned it on as Henry was running into the end zone. I said, "Yep, this is Jags Titans." Uh, gentlemen, before we wrap with Royce, I want a mock. We have a mock draft 1.0 from Todd McShay. I was going to say, right. this, is, this is the heavy hitter. The this is Todd the Father man. of Mocks. The Todd Father of Mocks has spoken. I'm going to fly through this. When we get to the Vikings pick, Vikings fans, how outraged will you be when they pull the trigger on this pick slash position? We'll get there. Uh, number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals, the Todd Father of Mocking says Nick Bosa, Ohio State defensive end. Mm-hmm. Rashawn Gary, defensive end from Michigan going, so pass rushers from the uh, Big Ten going one and two to the 49ers. I'm going to skip around here and get to some more. There's a couple Clemson players in the top five here. Uh, uh, Justin, uh, is it pronounced Bear, the quarterback from Oregon, or is it or is he going with Herbert? I think it's I think it's Herbert. Okay. Quarterback from Oregon going seven to the Jaguars. So I have no idea. Failing so. on Blake Bortles. I will try and help. And uh, let's see, Dwayne Haskins, quarterback Ohio State, going to the Giants at ten. I Any like other Dwayne quarterbacks Haskins. in here? I'm not an Ohio State guy, but I do like Dwayne Haskins a lot. He's got a shot to do something. Mm-hmm. And we'll skip all the way down to number twenty-two, where the Minnesota Vikings, according to the Todd Father of Mockage, Todd McShay, in the 2019 NFL Draft, select defensive tackle from Auburn, Derek Brown. I want a mock. mock. I want to. Everybody's fired. <laughs> Immediately, you're all he fired. He says, getting a prospect like this at number 22 would be robbery. Brown is the type of pass-rushing tackle that Mike Zimmer loves, and Sheldon Richardson's one-year deal provides an opening in the interior of that Minnesota line. Can he play guard? I guarantee. To a player? I guarantee if Mike Zimmer has a chance to draft a defensive player, he still will, despite he the offensive line. He probably would, yeah. yeah. Where is there, are there any, like, Guards or anything. <laughs> yeah, that he has for that was the first question I asked yeah. off the air. So they, he he's got three tackles going in the top seventeen, which is five slots away from where he has the Vikings projected to be picking. And okay. then there's an and then there's the that dude from Wisconsin. Uh, is it Michael Dieter? Michael Dieter Dieter, interior offensive lineman, going twenty seven to the Texans. So he's got the Vikings in kind of a dead spot for offensive so lineman. So they can either move up or probably move back. So hey, move back. Yeah. Rick does like pick. to move back. He does. Oh yeah. yeah, get more get get more seventh round picks or sixth round picks <laughs> to take kickers with. Oh my gosh! All right, we'll wrap with Ricey next. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on fifteen hundred ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here one more time before we wrap with Royce 35E southbound. Still got that crash in St. Paul between Maryland and Pennsylvania. 
Uh, the delay has uh, gone down just a little bit. It's only just a few minutes now. And also 94 eastbound, 5th Street and Cedar Avenue, just east of the uh, Lowry Tunnel. Still there, causing a 12-minute delay. Come on, people. Drive better. Yeah. All right. Hey, Royce, we have uh, just a soundbite here. Tony LaRussa on Harold Baines Hall. I know this is the third day in a row we've talked about Harold Baines, but Tony LaRussa. Defending his decision? Okay. Yep. You put in a Hall of Fame that everybody in America thinks is not a Hall of Famer. That's going to make people think everybody that there's a, little, yeah, there's a lot of... Tony, Tony, trust me. I deal with them all the time. Most people think this is a bad You know what would be good? I, I, would, I would love to get into a legitimate confrontation debate where we pull out the stuff that we looked at, and you tell me that weak-ass superficial bullshit that you look at, right. I guarantee you. You think he's a better Garvey. player than Steve Garvey? He's not a better player than Garvey. I'm not saying he's a better player than Garvey. Steve Garvey should be there, too, then. Uh, Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer, and it's a shame that now he's being looked at as uh, not right. Don't you think that a Hall of Famer, if he's a Hall of Famer, should have a year or two in his career where he wins an MVP? Do you know in the... No. Why not? Because longevity, ex- excellence over... In the 80s and 90s, all almost every one of the offensive stats that people trust, he was in the top four or five for 20 years. Right. No he, he drove in 100 runs late in his career, and he drove right. in early. He's well, game-winning RBIs. He's up there with the best of them. He had a very distinguished career that you got to pick. I agree. He had a good career. But did he ever lead the league in any categories? Uh, he led the league in, in game, game-winning RBIs. Again, I- game-winning RBIs. Who's, uh, who's he arguing with? Mad Dog Russo. Oh, that's Russo. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't recognize him. I tried to avoid him. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Well, I uh, one of the few times in my life I have to support Mad Dog, but uh, that's a that's a battle of arrogance, there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Tony, uh, Tony always was. Uh, Tony is a very sensitive guy, by the way. I uh, when he was managing the White Sox, I'd ripped him, and uh, he uh, he came up to like. Early in the afternoon one day to see me, and we sat in the stands and talked for a half hour. Really? Yeah, he was. Uh, he's a very sensitive guy. He did. You know, this was. Uh, well, I remember eighty? Was it? Uh, they had the big collapse. I mean, they were. Uh, you know, they were supposed to be really good, and uh, the uh, ball that got. I think was it Harold Baines in right field who misplayed the ball that yes. went to the inside home run park. Yes, home, home run by Tim Tuffle. It, yes, it was Harold Baines. You're right. And uh, <laughs> now that you bring it up, I'll have to look that one up. And, and they went completely in the tank. That team was supposed to be great. So yeah. that's, that I might have been the last time Harold played right field. I don't know. He, he butchered a little fly ball and turned it into an that's inside right. park home run. Tony and TK didn't get along for a long time, right? Didn't they have a falling out of some sort no, or something? No, I think they get along okay. Now, well, now they do, but... get upset at him because he'd, he'd like to throw it here. You know, he was one of these revenge guys, you know. If somebody got, okay, we got to throw at him. But I, I think that he came to think he was a pretty good baseball man, you know, so... Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, Pat, Buck, how- not so much, and a few other guys that he thought were overly smug. But I, I think he got along. Uh, Pat, what do we, what do we, what, what do we think about Byron Buxton being upset and uh, and, and annoyed and offended that he wasn't called up in September? What, I, I forget I heard what your opinion was. Talking about, it. I heard uh, Judd talking about it in the first hour with Murph, and uh, I don't think there's anything to read into this whole deal as far as the twin strategy, uh, you know, trying to maybe poke him or anything. It's strictly uh, in case he turns out to be good, 
it's strictly getting that extra year of free agency, mm-hmm. is, is my opinion. I don't think that anything goes beyond that. But you can't say that because then there might be a grievance filed against you. But, you know, well, I think it was stupid not to call him up for this reason. And I think Judd said something like this earlier. Get him up here and take another look and see if he has figured out anything from the pathetic, uh, inept futility. Inept futility. Boy, that's the worst kind of futility, isn't it? (laughs) That's really inept. Yeah. Uh, You know, let's see if if, if there's something to take home with him here in that last month of the season. Uh, I think the team deserved a look at him, but uh, they they decided to try to, uh, you know, and and my point, Phil, is they should be so damn happy if they're worried about signing him in 2022. They can't stand it, right? Yes. You know, so anyway, but yeah, I'm I'm glad he's mad. I'd be mad too. It's, I guess the, the point that I made, and then we jumped into a rousing game of, is it Byron Buxton's batting average or his listed playing weight? And it was actually tough to decipher whether... Oh, yeah, that's but, true. But he... I understand why he'd want to come up, and I understand the Twins you know, playing the service time game, but if you hit 156 in your fourth partial year and you're 25 years old, mm-hmm. are you really shocked? Do you really have a huge gripe? Did you really... It's, a service time stuff aside, it's not like he was carving it up in AAA. Even he for for the week before he got sent back home, he was hitting pretty well. But figure it out and then get mad. But I don't know. It, it, well, I you know I I think that this is you know when Dozier when they didn't call when Terry Ryan didn't call up Dozier that year, it was because he was lollygagging down in uh, AAA at uh, you know, and they felt like he wasn't. Uh, you know, he wasn't playing hard in August in Rochester that year, and they didn't call him up, and that was a message. In this, I, it's just, you know, it's not a message. I don't know. Sure, I mean, I'm. he's going to be mad because he expects to get called up, and he may, maybe he's saying, hey, I'm, I want to show you this new me here. I want to show you that I found it again, and that he doesn't get the chance to do that. He can be mad, but, uh, uh, you know, I... Yeah, he was, you know, maybe he doesn't want to have people look through the record books and see that he hit 156 one year. Maybe he wanted yeah. to get her up there to 190, 195. I don't know. <laughs> so so our goal for a football player is win the X, try and have a little fun, according to your Twitter account, and everybody gets all upset, and now six of them won't play. I mean, come on. The X hasn't been here since, what, 2003? I, uh, well, what I heard, though... Uh, second hand, third hand, is they actually knew that there was a drug test coming up. Or a, you know, oh, the, the Percy and Harvin. They, and you still had people dumb enough to go out. And I got to think it's reefer, don't you? I mean, I, I got yeah. hey, reefer. I got to think it's a little reefer madness. You know? <laughs> I heard. It, I heard it was hardcore stuff. I heard hallucinogens. It's the Percy Harvin thing. It's not that you got caught. It's you knew you you were going to be tested and you got caught. So you must be an idiot. <laughs> I think there's only I heard okay. only three semi starters and some walk ons, and it's not. It's not like. Uh, 
you know, the the, the guts of this uh, juggernaut, this <laughs> newly arrived juggernaut, has been ripped out of them, I don't think. You know, I, 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 for a minute there, I thought that maybe one of the kids forgot to wear a polo shirt to the front row of class and that that might actually yeah, get him suspended for the quick lane. Well, you know what I said a day on Twitter? It could all be a misunderstanding because they might have been doing their community service with medical marijuana patients, right. you know, on that uh, that Tuesday, that the Tuesday when we're out here curing society of all its ills, we might have had been around some medical marijuana patients. True, you know. it happens. People with very serious headaches. It's, yeah. you know, what 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 is football and other what are, what are people going to do when this stuff's legal in two years? Yeah, so we'll stop stop suspending. Mean? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, guess I they're mean, going to have to stop, stop suspending. Will yeah. teams stop? Yeah. Will high college and everybody else stop testing for it like well, they should? What if it's legal in 43 states? Well, it's going to be legal here, they think, maybe next year. You know, there's a big movement to make it legal here. Oh, the, so. Our show will be lots of fun then. <laughs> Some might say I, that know, we've I been... can't do it. I tried. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. They can't inhale. We'll get we'll get you high for a for a future unchained episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, bye. bye, Pat. Yeah. See you, right. See you tomorrow. Goodbye. Unchained is crazy enough. Oh, it'd be even crazier. See you guys tomorrow.